The Anton Savage Show on News Talk. This week, the World Congress on Brain Injury is taking place in Dublin. About 19,000 people in this country acquire a brain injury each year. And one of the uh, people leading the discussion on the latest rehabilitation treatments and management of acquired brain injury is Dr. Brian Waldron, who's president of the World Congress on Brain Injury. And he's also the principal clinical neuropsychologist at Acquired Brain Injury Now. And he uh, joins us in studio this morning. And we're joined as well by Neve Cahill, who is a brain injury survivor. And we will hear Neve's story in, in a couple of uh, minutes. Before that, though, Brian, you, the I suspect brain injury is one of those things that people think of as an acute condition that either repairs itself or it doesn't. But that's not the case. No, Anton, really brain injury, is it needs rehabilitation over often protracted periods of time. So you're looking at months or years, really. Um, the people we work with would have had strokes <clears throat> or traumatic brain injuries, so car crashes, falls, assaults, uh, maybe tumours or in the case of, of some people, brain infections. So these don't really repair themselves most of the time unless people get significant multidisciplinary input. What kind of rehabilitation? What be, uh, because obviously with, a, with a, a more physical injury, people can imagine, well, you get up on the bars and you gradually yeah. get the legs working again. What do you do for the brain? Well, you do speech therapy for speech. You do physiotherapy because your brain controls your body. So people are going to have physical effects. They might be weak down one side. Um, they could become deconditioned. People get fatigue. Um, there's psychology input because it can affect how you're thinking and how you're feeling as well. And obviously medical input um, too. So, so you need a big group of people around you for quite a period of time to try and maximise your recovery over those period of years. Are you seeing a decrease in the traumatic brain injury as Sports, I mean, we're just talking about rugby mm. as a case in point. You have the, the um, head injury impact assessment now that you didn't have before. Yeah. Is that having an effect, a positive effect? Well, in terms of what we would do, I mean, the, the sports concussion stuff, I suppose, is only a small fraction of what we would see. The real risks for people are around stroke. I mean, more than half of the people we work with, it's stroke. And those are modifiable, you know, health factors. So in terms of your diet and drinking and smoking. Um, and then the, the other big factor would be car crashes, falls, assaults, alcohol as a part of that. And, an awful lot of the time, Anton. Um, and so I, I think the, the, the concussions is really only a very, very small part of the bigger picture of, you know, the rehab framework in Ireland in terms of the, the day-to-day work. When you rehabilitate from a stroke, does the brain repair the areas that were damaged or does it find new pathways to achieve the same end result? It's the latter. So you're right about the latter. It's it's really about finding... Um, it's, there's an element of repair, but, but most of the time it's it's training the brain to, to find a slightly different way of doing something or compensating as well. So you might have a memory problem, Anton, and it might be, um, you know, that that's going to be long term for you. But now you need to have a strategy of how are you going to uh, recall information or store information if it's not, you know, directly in your memory. So, you, you know, get good at using your, your phone and your apps and your notebook. Uh, or some of it is restorative where it's practice. So speech and language therapy, a lot of it is, is practice and you can get that skill back because you know, the brain areas can, can repair themselves to some extent. So it's a bit, it's a mix of things. I mentioned that we have Neve Cal on, on the line, uh, who herself is a brain injury survivor. Good morning, Neve. Hi, hi, Anton. How are you? I'm very good. Tell us about your condition, because you had what was a, an autoimmune. Effectively, your own body decided it, it took against your own brain. Yeah, yeah. Ideal, really. Not not at all. <laughs> um, I, um, 15 years ago, um, I... Uh, presented with what's known as anti-NMDA receptor encephalitis. Essentially, that means that my blood um, attacked my brain. Um, of course, at, on the onset, we didn't know what was happening. 
um, it presented first of all like a grand mal seizure. Well, actually, a jerk in my leg was the very first thing, um, and that was going on throughout the day. Um, and at one stage, I said to my mum, I was like, that, that my leg just keeps popping, like I can't stop it. And, um, you know, we were kind of wondering, and then next thing, I just went into a grand mal seizure. Um, so that kind of, you know, obviously that indicated straight away that it was a some sort of neurological issue, um, which was, I suppose, helpful in the long run, uh, because in other um, manifestations of anti-NMDA receptor encephalitis, it can present a psychosis, first of all, um, which means obviously treatment would be a little, would, would be delayed. So when did you get the diagnosis? And I assume during this, it must be terrifying. I mean, when you wake up from a grand mal seizure with no logic as to why it has occurred, it must be very frightening. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, obviously it's something you, you're never expecting, but I, I have to admit that, like, I actually had a great week in hospital that week, like, because it was so well after it, and I had so many visitors. I just, I was just, it wasn't like a huge worry, you know, I thought maybe it was just a one-off thing. Um, but then actually following that week, my health just began to deteriorate, but it was all kind of intermittent. Um, you know, so um, when I was discharged from hospital, like we'll say, if somebody calls the door, I'd, you know, answer the door, have a perfectly normal conversation with them. And then if someone else calls the door, I wouldn't be able to string a sentence together. So it was very hard, you know, like even my parents were like, are we imagining this or like, you know, what what's actually going on? Because it was, it, the symptoms just kind of came and went, you know. Um, but like that, that fear probably wasn't there initially. Um, and then I, I think the fear probably uh, continued on for my parents more than me because as things got worse, I wasn't lucid. You know, I, I didn't know what was happening. I was just there, you know. It was really my parents that were witnessing the worst of it. And how's your health now? Um, I am flying it, thank God. Um, I I would have been on um, anti-seizure medication for years just to make sure um, that that you know that I don't have a seizure again. So I haven't had a seizure since September two thousand and eight. So I came off those med those habits like a good couple of years ago. Um, but I suppose a lot of the basis of my treatment would have rested with immunology um, for many years just to control the immune system and make sure um, it doesn't happen again because my immune system was naturally doing the wrong thing. Um, so I was on immunosuppressants for maybe uh, 14 years, uh, right throughout the COVID pandemic, everything like that. But I actually came off them in May. So I'm, I'm medication free now, which is probably something I never thought would happen. Well, congratulations on having it happen and long may it continue. Neve, thanks very much for coming on this morning. Neve Cahill there telling us uh, her own story of uh, an autoimmune acquired uh, brain injury. Um, Brian, in relation to the people, one of the things that Neve described there, the people around somebody who has an acquired brain injury, if something like that can manifest as psychosis, does it make for difficulty in diagnosing somebody with a brain injury rather than with a, a psychological problem? I suppose it does, um, you know, and, and that's where maybe things like brain scans would, would come into play where you're, you're able to get a much clearer kind of a, a diagnostic read on what's happening for somebody. Um, 
But I suppose, uh, you know, know, what we know and what's come out of the conference, I think, really is that rehabilitation works and the earlier that people can get it, the better the outcomes would be. And that's true for somebody who's had a really significant car crash all the way down to somebody who's tripped up and had a, had a concussion. So the quicker we can get to people, the, the better the outcome is going to be. Uh, and we know it's cost effective in, in the long run. So the upfront cost of providing rehabilitation pays itself back massively over years. Now, when you say the earlier you get to somebody, does that mean as in if it is a stroke that you diagnose and intervene quickly or that you start rehab quickly after the um, acute phase is over? Well, well both. Um, we, we had uh, one of the people with the lived experience of stroke talking yesterday about how when she was an OT uh, working in a hospital, had a stroke going into work, realised she was having a stroke, but she got in, was diagnosed and had the clot busting drugs like w- within minutes and, and has made a spectacular recovery. So that would be the diagnosis piece. But what we would see, even in terms of working with people over the last 15 years in ABI Ireland, we collect data as we go. We're seeing very clearly that the people that we can get to uh, quickly after their brain injury have better outcomes in the long run than the people who didn't get services. And, and there's a big cohort of people that we'd work with who got nothing, you know, over the years. They might have had uh, initially the pathway would have been Beaumont, we'll say, or Cork University, where they might have had neurosurgery. They go to maybe the National Rehab Hospital in Dunleary or P-Mount now these days, or one of the stroke units, there's one in Letterkenny, for example. But the pathway tends to break down after that. So the community services are kind of patchy. So they're there in some areas around the country, but they're not in other areas. And it's not consistently funded or available. Um, and then if, if you, you know, postcode lottery, bad luck, um, you, you know, you don't get the service, you're, you're, you're going to be fairly stuck. So that would be part of, I, I think, what Acquired Brain Injury Ireland are trying to do is to roll out a case management service that's going to smooth people's passage through that pathway to give them direction because people aren't going to figure this stuff out themselves. And as you say, there is a a mercenary side to that as well because it is more cost effective to have somebody back on their feet than it is to have them unable to take part in society. 100% Anton, because, you know, people can get back to work so they come off the disability lens and they're back paying tax, you know, so it it makes sense to, to fund this. Brian, thank you very much for coming in. That's Brian uh, Waldron, Dr. Brian Waldron, President of the World Congress on Brain Injury and Principal Clinical Neuropsychologist at Acquired Brain Injury Ireland. The Anton Savage Show, Saturday morning at 9 on News Talk.